Hello. Hey, Merlin. Good morning. How are you, Dan? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm great. It's Tuesday. It's the optimistic day. Gong-hai fat choy. Gong-hai fat choy. What did you call me? Gong-hai fat choy. What's that mean? I'm not going to do the voice. (laughs) What's it it from? Well, I asked my daughter's dentist. It's what people say. It's what people say in Cantonese. It's it's become what white people say. It's a tourist way to say happy Lunar New Year, happy Chinese New Year. Oh, okay. I just Googled it. And yeah, look at that. But as it turns out, and it turns out is that it's meh, meh, it's a tourist way to say it. It actually is a way of wishing people prosperity. It's not technically like saying happy Chinese New Year. That sounds a little bit ping pong. Mm. But it's Lunar New Year in uh, in San Francisco. It was freezing last night. There, there's snow in parts of the Bay Area. Wow. And, and it's an optimistic day. So I'm pretty excited. I have to be candid. All right. Well... I did begin my day at the office with with one grave tactical error. Uh oh, what happened? Well, I, 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 uh, I bet you know what? Uh, I got two different coffee mugs that I use. Okay, this one. Okay, that's my coffee mug. I've got uh, two that I. It's not really important, Dan. It's an optimistic day. I'm not here to to yuck on a yum. I uh, I, I grabbed uh, a, a, my other coffee mug, and apparently I didn't realize it still had some dish soap in it. So I made soapy coffee. Uh, oh. And I said, darn it. And then I made another one, but it's way too, you can hear it's way too small. But I made a small coffee. But it's an optimistic day, so who am I to complain? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Who'd listen? Yeah, no you know one. I'm saying? I would listen. It's cold here. I would listen to your complaints and your dreams. Oh, my dreams. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, what was last night? Last night was... Oh yeah, last night was a variation of the big house dream. It's a pivot to the big house dream, which is the Susan's house dream. I had the Susan's house dream. But I'm okay. I'm good. I had good sleep last night. Um, I didn't get said I slept well. Uh, but it is Lunar New Year, which means my kid has the day off school. For the Lunar New Year? That's why? Lo- lunar New Year. Lo- yes, it's widely lo- celebrated lunar here. New Year. You give out red envelopes, and there's all kinds of interesting lore around it. The things you do and don't do on Lunar New Year Day. Uh-huh. Be careful about cutting hair or using a broom. Um, Wait, why can't you use a broom? It sweeps away the good luck. Oh, what about the hair? It cuts off the good luck. Is that simple? It, well, Is it the Chinese it's, who it's say easy, that you, not simple, you right? can eat any animal that as long as its back faces the sun? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. As long <laughs> yes, <clears throat> yes, and absolutely, and calories don't count after midnight. Well, right? well, I've heard. No, I've heard that if you're so think about it. If okay. Im- imagine a cow, you can I eat am. a cow because its back faces the sun, the sky. But you can't mm. eat a human being because we stand upright. You can't eat a bear because a bear can. You know, rear back, and it's now it's back on its hind legs, so that a bear is off limits. But you can eat a a chicken because its back is toward the sky. But you can't do a monkey because they can walk upright. What about an infant? Well, that's still is it it not accurate that they crawl with their back toward the sun? No, Mm. they do, they do. But I think because they can become a human and stand eventually, then. Because hmm. the infants are not humans until they're three months old or something. 
Oh, I see. Right, right, right to life. Like, like a dachshund. Like a dachshund is fair game. It's, it's back as always to the sun. What if it's an indoor dog and never goes in the sun? You could eat dogs, sure. And cats. Sure. Sure. Because sure. they can't go, right. they can't walk upright. They have that's to be able ugly, to freestand. You don't think that's an ugly cultural stereotype? You've been, to, you've been to what, South Korea? Yeah, I'm saying I read it. I wrote this okay. down and I read right. No, I read I actually read this. Chinese back to sky is what I'm going to Google. Mm. Right there, it says it. <laughs> back See? to sky. Yeah, we're good. Mm-hmm. All right, that's a good time. I heard this. I'm not saying that it's... No, I... I think it's, uh, I think our uh, reckons are, uh, are important. It's Tuesday. It's an optimistic day. And just to, just to, to say this, I will say that my, <laughs> yes. my architect friend in Orlando told me that. Oh, interesting. So I'm going to say I, I it's true. I learned from the dentist yesterday. No cavities. No cavities. Oh, good. Good, good. I meant to ask. Thank you. No cavities. And uh, she's got, um, uh, I think, a total of four. A baby teeth. I mean, that's normative. She's got uh, four uh, original teeth, and then the adult teeth are, are pushing down real hard on the final four. So that's all, all that she's madness. got left is four. What is the total that we have? Do we have? Is it is it eight teeth total or fifty? Or I something? think you can in a normal human mouth setup. I believe. Don't hold me to this. I believe thirty two is the maximum normal amount of teeth. But I shared with. Oh, no. What are you doing? Don't do that. <clears throat> I shared with uh, the doctor. I won't name him. I shared with the doctor that I had a tooth behind a tooth as a child. Mm. And he even gave me a name for it, a Latinate name for that. What is it? Um, I want to say, I think it's Messioden. That's like, it means middle tooth. Middle tooth. Messio. I knew one of my friends. Messiodens. Yeah. Messy. Oh, you can, oh God, look at that ugly picture. That's what I had. I had a normal tooth behind my front tooth. It had to be removed surgically. How do you spell that? M E S I O D E N S. Oh, yeah. I see that. You're saying it had to be removed by a doctor. Was it pushing the. They knocked me out with gas. And then when I ate soft serve later, I threw up all over the bathroom. Because my mom wanted to comfort me because I just had my mesiodens removed. Was it pushing the tooth in front of it like forward at all or? Kind of. That's yeah. a good, good note. I kind of, it was, I had a gap, like a gap year, but for a dens, I had, um, my teeth were a little bit uh, begapped. Oh, I had like okay. a Letterman thing going on. <laughs> and it was because the mezio dens was doing its dirty business behind my primary tooth. One of my friends, they had a, a, a little baby girl and she was born with a tooth in the mouth already. The and devil, you say? No, yeah, now, see, no, I'm not Chinese, born. but I think that might be good luck. Do you think that's good luck or bad luck? Well, she was half uh, Vietnamese, and okay. they half did the not bag. they did not consider it to be good luck, and neither did the dentist who removed it right away. I bet the mom wasn't loving it. Am I right? That was my first question to them. I yes. said, "Does it interfere with uh, breastfeeding?" And she said, "No." Mm-hmm. But that they no, that's, still that's the wanted right. to take it out anyway. They interfere with that. She's, you can see here, she's reclining on this bench. She's got headphones. Who is that? Wait, who? This is me? I think I sent it to you. Oh, yeah. no, I see it now. Okay. I thought you were just describing. Look at her. She's looking at a large screen TV. <laughs> My daughter to has the, the same tights. <laughs> oh, you're kidding. Yeah, I think same exact kid ones. does too. You can see they're getting holy, but she loves them. <laughs> and she's got an I Love Dog shirt uh-huh. with Spatza on it. And uh, she's watching Netflix. <laughs> When she goes oh, the right. They do. They put it up on the ceiling. We have that too. That's awesome. She used to watch Nailed It. How about that? <laughs> That's living. Woo. Those are nice headphones um, too. 
there's, you can tell they're sanitary. Yeah, they're very. That's why that dentist. was what I liked about them. You know, it's not. If you're in a profession, it's one thing to be nice, and it's another thing to be kind. And everybody at this place, I perceive as the grown up in the situation, they are nice and they are also kind. Mm-hmm. They don't condescend, but they do explain some things, and they say things like "Yay," they say things like "Yay, Eleanor," yeah, no, no cavities. And now they give you the fluoride treatment. All they do is rub some bubblegum stuff on your teeth. And then like just even a few minutes after, you can have a cookie to celebrate going to the dentist. Mm, so they don't have to do the trays, the big you foam don't do trays? The thing and you, where you can't eat for a long time. We've come a long way, Dan. Yeah. I should go to the dentist someday. Um, we have, we're chock-a-block with content today. Yeah. And it looks like we want to start, you have a note here about, I think we both have a couple things on regarding the, um, we talked about this last week, Apple has a very unfortunate, had a very unfortunate bug in group FaceTime that allowed people to listen in on your phone without yeah. you even answering it. And uh, I love what you have here. Why don't you tell us your follow-up? Uh, okay, hold on. Let me get, get the link up here. Uh, Did I put that in? You put that in, right? I, I don't know who put that in. No, it says Mer- Merlin put that in, but we can talk. You want to talk oh, about geez, it? Oh, jeez, I'm you so sorry. That's all right. Oh man, I should read, I should prepare more. Why? Well, I, I mean, I think it's a great article, a great piece. Well, you know, once again, this is something a lot of people have talked about, gone around and around with the Facebook thing, but uh, it was just to say that it was a kid playing Fortnite, a teen. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> a kid playing Fortnite, a teen, um, d- had first discovered the bug and that uh, they had some trouble getting to Apple to talk about it. And I think that's actually been, of all the dust-ups in this dust-up, I think that's the one that most people are a little bit steamed about, was how difficult it was to get to Apple with... with uh, the, not, To report the problem and let them know and get a response back. Yeah, which, yeah. I mean, are, are, you've probably been through this. I don't know how many radars you've done, but a lot of our friends who do... Um, various iOS and Mac software said the same thing, which is like filing a radar... First of all, this is not the kind of thing you'd file a radar for. This is a security problem that it's separate from a functional problem. But um, yeah, just what a, what, a, what a hassle it is to do. This woman went and uh, the mother of this uh, young man started a developer account just so she could go and do what ask, Apple asked her to do. Right. Because the page, I'll put I'll put this in the show notes for anyone who's curious, but there, Apple has a page under their developer uh, website that's submitting bugs and feedback and it you know, it explains what you need to do, but I mean, it's not, it's not like a fell out of form and hit submit kind of a thing. It's, there's a lot more, a lot more involved than that. Yeah. And as, as a guy who makes software and accepts bug reports and stuff from users, you know, it's, there needs to be a process around it. There needs to be. And it just, it seemed, and one of the things that Apple did say is that we need to be better, about, we meaning Apple need to be better about how we receive and the channels that we create for submission of bug reports, especially things like this, you know, but yeah. imagine Cause, that. Cause I mean, isn't a part of the notion um, that makes this so interesting and complicated is that at least as, as far as I understand it in the security community, um, you know, people who, who look for bugs and zero day exploits and stuff like that, isn't it a pretty common ethical standard to say like we'll submit this to a company or a repository owner multiple times before making it public especially if it's a zero day yeah to give them time to fix it before it goes in the wild that's from an ethical standpoint a white hat hacker would usually prefer to do that right yeah i would think so i mean i there it's weird and i have definitely had people contact me about software that i've written 
where they say, oh, I'm, you know, I, I found an exploit. What kind of, and there was one guy that was basically straight up trying to get paid to tell me what the horrible, you know, bug that he found was. And he's like, <laughs> he wanted the, he wanted the bug bounty. He, he wanted the, yes, he wanted the bug bounty. He, he was basically like, what kind of rewards do you have in place? Uh, if you know, so that I can reveal this bug to you. Like, well, I don't like have anything like that, but I sure would love to know if you found some kind of security thing, please tell me, I would love to know what it is. And he's like, well, how much, what's the reward for it? And I said, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't really like, I haven't thought about that. Is there a, an amount that you would expect to receive to report a bug and, and help someone out, you know, and that's the weird thing I to me. Like, I think he wanted $20,000. Yeah, he probably did. This was a couple of years ago. No less than 5,000. You know, and that's the, that's the weird thing is like, if I found a bug in somebody's software, I'm, I don't have that mindset that says maybe I can exploit this or maybe I can exploit the company by getting me to, you know what I'm saying? Like if, oh, I know. if I'm, if I find out that, that my vehicle has some kind of thing where, you know, there's a recall. I would rather know about that. And, and if I was the one that found the problem in my vehicle, I would contact the manufacturer and say, I found this problem. You need to do something about it. I wouldn't be mm -hmm. like, there's a serious problem with your vehicles, but uh, you need to pay me for me to tell you about it. N no. Who yeah. does that? That's the crappiest well, I, I thing you can do. I don't do. claim to understand that. Crappiest that, that. thing you can do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely a different state of mind. It's not my own. Uh, it seems, I don't know. That seems weird. As I talk about it, I can feel a kind of anger rising up that I just think that is the crappiest. The more I think about it, the more I, now I'm angry. Now I'm angry. Um, I'm so sorry. It's an optimistic day. I, I will say this. If you have a platform... Like if somebody discovers, why am I even bringing this up? Bring it up. Something with Facebook. Yeah. If they, if they had discovered any of the myriad things oh. that Facebook meant or didn't mean to do that was destroying America. Um, I mean, if I had a platform, I very much understand that. I, if, if you're uh, AWS, if you're Google, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're any of those platforms that other people do stuff on top of, I could see saying, look, we've got this, you know, bug bounty program that encourages people to try and break our software. But you know, it sounds like you'd never advertise that. I mean, what are you gonna give them a Starbucks card? Well, I'm, you know, I, I, I think if they had come back to me and said, and I'm making up some numbers now, but if they had come back to me and said, I, I figured this out and it took me two hours to do it. And the going rate for a developer is making this up hundred bucks an hour. Yeah. And they're like, Pay me for my time. I would say, well, you you found a legitimate bug. I'd be happy to pay you for your time. You're helping me and you did something that I didn't do or couldn't have done and you should be compensated for that. That seems really reasonable to me. If they yeah, had approached so, it that yeah. way, I think that's perfectly okay to do. And it's, it's all... A, it's a weird precedent to set though. But it's if all... If you don't want that to be a program. Yeah. And I also, it's weird to me that you would like withhold it. And well, there's a serious problem, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. You just got to like pay me some money because. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Your thing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. That makes sense. But the I, Facebook I, thing, I, I don't know. I, I think it does set a precedent and I, 
there are lots of companies that have those big bug bounties out there. So that it's will, a bug bounty. It says in this bounty. article right here that uh, launched the bug bounty program in August 2016. We're reading here in uh, NBCnews.com. Yeah. It's in show notes. Launched a bug bounty program August 2016. Payouts can range from $25,000 to $200,000. For anything? For what kind of uh, bug? Does it matter? I don't know. Let the lawyers figure it out. Yeah. But the other side of this where I do feel them a little bit is put yourself in the position of being like a customer service person. And actually, I have some follow-up that's orthogonal to this that mm-hmm. is fascinating that I'm going to bring up in a second. Mm. But, you know, you think about somebody whose cable box isn't working. Like if they call and say, uh, hey, I can't get the internet or I can't get the lifetime network, you don't write them a check for $25,000. You say like, oh, well, you know, there's actually like these two to five things that fix it in 90% of instances. The main one of which is turn it off, leave it off for a minute, sing, sing the bridge of any pop song, and then turn it back on. And that usually fixes everything. <laughs> and I'll talk about why that is in a minute, because it's fascinating. But, you know, I also feel for Apple in the sense of, <clears throat> I mean, I don't know. It just sounds like this is the radar in particular, and the radar is a different thing. But it sounds like radar can be extremely frustrating to people. Yeah. You mentioned somebody who went to Apple and fixed their own bug that they'd submitted years earlier or whatever. Right. It, it sounds like it's pretty frustrating to be a developer who's actively trying to improve the OS or the platform in this case. And then just seeing the bug closed, you know, because it's a duplicate or because it's a whatever. But, you know, I mean, I don't know how you deal with having, a, let's say, even a phone line. Let's say you have an 800 number. Call us with your security problem. Like, I bet the signal to noise ratio on that is like off the charts. Like, it's got to be know? because especially with a company like like Apple that's not just doing one application, like they make hundreds and they have so much hardware and software and it's like... If you open those channels a little bit too much or make it a little too easy, there is something to be said for it's like the advice I think you you or someone else gave me years ago when I was doing some kind of a meetup and the person, I'll, I'll just say it was you because you give good yeah, advice. It was, me. it was you. And you said, um, you said, charge something for admission, even if it's $5, if it's a dollar, don't do it because you're trying yeah. to make money, do it so that only serious keeps out, people keeps who, out the dinglings. It keeps out the dinglings and it makes it so that only people who are actually, you know, serious about it will go because it's super. That's why, I think that's why Metafilter started doing it. They didn't see right. that, didn't see it as a source of revenue. He saw it as a way to minimize sock puppet accounts. And, right, right, you know, right. Havoc. But I mean, this is, again, I'm just, I'm trying to just, nobody really wants a devil's advocate, let's be honest. But a little bit devil's advocate here is that this is an example that you can point to that one hopes is at the extreme end of this problem. At the extreme end of this problem is somebody whose mom is a really smart lawyer discovers this bug, is able to replicate it, is like pinging the hell out of like faxing a letter to Apple, getting paying $99 to become a developer, like doing all the things that they think is right and still getting really basically blown off. Like Mm -hmm. that's an extreme example. But I mean, I wonder what percentage of security um, bugs get introduced that are this extreme. Yeah. So not that maybe it doesn't matter. I don't know. They're a big company. I mean, one thing, one downside for poor Apple (laughs) is that they, they do have so much cash that it it feels to us civilians like there's no problem they can't solve. Well, you don't get rich by spending money. You get rich by not spending money. Yeah. And if they if if every time so like it, it is kind of it's weak 
logic on our part to say every time there's something we don't like, we complain that Apple doesn't put 10x resources on it to fix it today. Go read the Mythical Man Month. Like, that's not a thing. Like, you can't do that. You can't say, or like, you know, with the Washington Post, you spent $10 million on this ad. Like, I'm not sure that was the greatest idea. Like, why don't you hire more reporters? Well, it comes from a different kitty. Like, I don't think that comes from the same pot. I don't think you can say, like, I don't like the width of a line uh, in this part of the table view so therefore, like, stop selling things in China. Like, I don't think that's how a big company works. Right. But no. It, it, it is a bummer that something like this, it's, it's a bummer for Apple, as somebody who is an Apple enthusiast, to be candid. It does suck that this comes in the midst of them making a pretty strong case about the importance of privacy. And it's super easy to conflate this bug with... Uh, carelessness on their part, right? Them not just actually not, caring. Not, yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. I don't think that's the case at all, and they can't piss and moan about it. Or they're going to look like whiners, right? Can I introduce this new phrase that I learned, and the thing that's blown my gourd a little bit? Yes. Um, I'm a simple man, and sometimes you run across something that is the most kind of satisfying. Turns out, and as it turns out that like once you know it, you go, "Oh, that makes." total sense. It's like you needed somebody to say it. This morning, I needed to hear a man on the radio say, the problem with Mr. Trump is that he thinks loyalty is a one-way street. And when he says loyalty, what he really means is people who agree with him and never disagree. And you're like, oh, that I knew that. But like to hear that articulated makes total sense, mm -hmm. not to be political. Somebody, Fraser Spears, who's not happy with Apple these days, <clears throat> had pointed to a recent episode of the Verge cast called Apple Goes to War with Facebook and Google. And I can recommend this ep episode for a couple reasons. Uh, as he mentioned, as Fraser mentioned on Twitter, the first 40 minutes of this are a really lucid discussion of what, you know, I don't know, a third rail that a lot of people are talking about this week is like, A, yeah, I, it's good that Apple was able to stop Facebook's cheaty VPN thing mm -hmm. that was, you know, the kids were getting a $20 gift card to then give away all of their data. It's good that Apple caught that and shut it off, but let's abstract this a little bit. How do we feel about the consequences of a company having so much control over other companies' line of business apps, as Ben Thompson calls it, like your, whether that's for like, what's for lunch today or how do I get the shuttle bus, let alone the entire suite of, in, in Facebook's case, thousands of devices that they're testing stuff on. Like, how do we feel about that in the abstract? In this extreme case, we're happy that Apple was there to cut things off. Anyway, that just to say, that, that it's a good episode. But later in the episode, around minute 53, there, uh, at least in this, in this timestamp I put into show notes, they start talking about the FaceTime bug. And oh. this is going to be no surprise to you. Um, it, this is going to be a topic on the next Reconcilable Differences, because I want uh, computer scientist engineer boy John Syracuse to tell me what he thinks of this. But um, one of the hosts of the show, who, who I, do, I don't know which one it is, it's not Neil Patel, but it's somebody else on the show, is talking about um, how bugs like this happen. And he used a phrase that I've never heard before that you may know. Have you ever heard the phrase combinatorial explosion? It's okay if you have or haven't. No, I don't believe that I have, but it sounds like a math thing. It's, yeah, it's pretty much, I think, what you would imagine. So going to the internet science page for combinatorial explosion, which is also in notes. In mathematics, a combinatorial explosion is the rapid growth of the complexity of a problem due to how the combinatorics of the problem is affected by the input constraints and bounds of the problem. Oh, sure. Combinatorial explosion is sometimes used to justify the intractability of certain problems. So 
you know, it's so, but here's what he's talking about in particular. Um, how do you, how do you test for bugs either, um, automatically or manually? How do you look for bugs in your software? Well, one of the ways that you look for bugs in your software, if you are a, who are the, who are the ones that do the crazy stuff? Like the QA people where, you know, there's all these wonderful jokes about what happens if you put the absolutely wrong kind of thing into a field right. or drop the text of Moby Dick into it. Like <laughs> what, what, what are the extreme corner cases that could cause an error or security flaw to happen? And, and part of their job is doing the most bananas kinds of stuff that you can imagine. So like you and me, like my experience of using messages, I, I saw like I open messages and I type this thing and I do this thing, but they have these probably fairly outlandish things that they need to do based on the understanding of different states that a device can be in. And the more, see, forgive me, now I'm way out of my depth, but my sense of this is that a device as complex as an iPhone can contain a surprising number of, like just think about the number of Booleans or settings that are involved in doing anything on your phone. And then you get something crazy that happens. You get the wildest thing that happens and something stops working it becomes um, uh, like uncontrollable, the screen freezes, but your other apps work. Well, what caused that? Well, it's difficult to know because there are so many possible states that different things can be in. Now, he introduces this by saying that part of this is coming up, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here, is being able to know, so in, this, in the case of the FaceTime bug, he's saying, well, there should be, there probably should be a state in place that says something that's very obvious to anybody who's ever used a telephone which is the state of listening to the microphone should not be permitted under any conditions unless the state of answering the call has been satisfied, right? Yes. That's just a couple little simple states. But what about all these other states, right? So I'm, again, I'm a little out of my depth, but that idea really kind of clicked with me is that how difficult it is to test everything because of all of the myriad number of different factors that could be involved. Now, what is it that tends to fix many problems on our devices. What's, what's the one tried and true, as long as you remember it, it works a frequent amount of time. What's the one thing that tends to work for making a device do the right thing? Restart it. You turn it off. <laughs> you sing the chorus from any pop song. You don't have to, that's optional. But I, I sing the, uh, it's the same as washing hands. You could sing happy birthday to you. Right. I sing, I sing the bridge uh, from September girls by big star. If you sing like a, a, a pretty much any middle eight at a medium pace, that's the amount of time you should wash your hands or leave a device off. That's one to grow on. What do you do? You turn it off. You wait a second and then you turn it back on. Now you tell me computer boy, when you turn something off and turn it back on, what happens? Uh, usually the problems are gone. But like from a functional standpoint, everything gets reset. The cache gets everything cleared. Everything gets reset. Pretty much everything. Everything, Whatever all the preferences are reloaded. Any kind of weird buggy yeah. garbage collection that wasn't cleared out, that's cleared out. Caches, all that stuff. Like all kinds of different things are in some state. Right. A state right. that is not visible to, in some cases, probably even the developer. Certainly not to the consumer. I don't know why. This one app is basically a JPEG now. <laughs> I can't interact with this app anymore. Why is it that turning that off and turning it back on fixes it? And he just, you know, he basically said it's, it's the result of you're basically fighting the results of combinatorial explosion. There's probably a less fancy word for that. But like, here's two interesting points. So you can't test all those different things. That's really hard to do. But when you turn it off, you are, in most cases, sending it to at or near a default state. Like whatever the normal setting, 
Like, but you know, but you're clearing out all the junk. You're reducing the number of possible combinations of things that could be causing a problem. And you bring it back up to this mostly known state. And obviously there's deeper things that, that, that might still be broken. But why does so many of that stuff get fixed? Because you're getting rid of all the possible state combinations, mostly, I think, and bring it up to the default state. What else is interesting about the default state? Like if you're testing, like how often have you been uh, rebooting the device that you're testing? Probably mm-hmm. fairly often. Yeah. So that's not only reducing however you got to where you are, but it's also resetting the device or restarting the device into the state at which it was most likely tested, which I thought was such a fascinating idea. Like, I don't know that this is why I want to talk to Syracuse about this. He's mm-hmm. already kind of giving me pushback like he does. But this, the idea of this was so fascinating to me. Like, I don't know how it got broken, but somehow it got broken. This, this happened. Okay. This happened literally yesterday. We came home from the dentist. And when TV time was allowed, my daughter starts mashing on the Apple TV button. Right. So the TV turns on, but the Apple TV device is not coming up. She even goes and grabs the giant size LG TV remote to go manually select Apple TV. It still won't come up. I see the white light blinking on the Apple TV. Right. It's not coming up. Um, it is on a public beta, but still, that's pretty weird. And so I, wa- I said, I'll take care of this. I walked over. I unplugged the HDMI cable. Right. From, first, I took out the HDMI cable from the Apple TV. Then I unplugged the power supply. I sang the bridge from September Girls. I uh, plugged it all back in and it instantly worked. Why did it work? I mean, I can I can Some, guess why, why it something worked. got uh, something got cleared out of there. Yeah, you know what? It's like shooting a farmer's hanky. Like, like you're shooting something out of there. You're getting the garbage out, and it worked, and it was fine. And now it works fine. So this morning, what, what? I, was, I was talking to a, a system administrator friend of mine, and um, and talking about a, a little migration plan that I'm working on, and. Uh, and I couldn't couldn't understand him. I couldn't tell. He sounded like he was muffling. And I said, "Dude, we got to get you some a new headset or something." And he said, "Oh, hold on a second. And he put it on mute, and he came back, and he was perfect. He said, "How's this?" I said, "You sound perfect." What did you do? He said, "Well, I just blew the dust out of the microphone <laughs> in the uh, in the you know in the headphones." And I I thought that's now I'm listening to you talking about the reboots. I think that's the same thing. You're just sort of shake shaking the the dust. Are you, out are you deliberately making a reference to there? No, because that's a re- that, that's a reference. Um, uh, no, this actually happened this, this morning. <laughs> well, just in the sense, we've talked about this half a dozen times, but I don't remember what site it was. But back in the glory days when the internet was fun, there used to be a sing- not a single serving site, but a site uh, that did the coolest thing, and it was basically a site where they would talk to somebody who had done a job for a long time. And say, like, tell me, like, the most interesting uh, secret or time saver or, like, whatever it is that you only learn after doing this for a while. Like, what is the thing that makes your job better that would surprise other people? Right. And forgive me. I know you all know this, but I'm going to say it again because it's so good. And they said, okay, when you're doing customer support, especially for somebody with a PC um, or, you know, really virtually any device in the pre, you know, predominance of battery era, you'd say to the person, you know, a a noob would say, well, can you make sure it's plugged in? Right. Or can you make sure it's been restarted? Right. Right. A noob would say that. And what happens when you say that? Well, understandably, people get mad. It's like, I went to college and stuff. Of course it's plugged in. Duh. This could be something as simple as like a USB into your keyboard uh, auxiliary jack, like whatever it is. But like, they can't help you until they know it has been plugged in and essentially restarted for all of those reasons. Right. And so what was the tip? 
this customer service person had said, okay, well, I'm not sure this could be pretty complicated, but let's try one thing, which is I would like you, I want you to unplug your device. I want you to blow the dust out of the prongs and then plug it back in, wait a second, and then try turning it back on was their tip. And it's so brilliant because there's, there's two glorious things to that. Well, first of all, like there's a good chance it wasn't plugged in. I have been guilty of this innumerable times. I'm on the phone with Comcast and talking about my career as a seasoned technologist. And they're like, well, are you sure it's plugged in? In that case, if you cause the person to unplug the device and then quote unquote, blow the dust out of the problem, right, they necessarily have to interact with the plugged inness of the device. And then secondarily, if it wasn't plugged in, they get to save their ego mm-hmm. by saying, okay, that took care of it. Mm-hmm. I blew the dust out and now it works. It's genius. It's genius. I went through this with Roderick. Poor Roderick is going through this uh, dark night of the soul with all these different computers. He's trying to like consolidate. I don't know if you're talking about this, but he's got all these, got like three different computers, potentially now a fourth computer. He's trying to get everything in one place in the cloud and dealing with it. And we had a heck of a time getting him on with, with Skype yesterday. And eventually, you know, he's logged into the wrong account and what is happening. And, you know, we both knew the answer, which was to restart. Mm-hmm. And he restarted. And, and then was for fine, whatever right? reason, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, again, might, might all seem obvious, especially if you're a tech person, but I'm intrigued by the idea that these devices have now become so complex that, that A, there are innumerable ways that all the different pieces interact with each other such that B, it can be difficult to test the most exotic or obscure ways in which those interactions could cause a problem that you know or don't know about. I don't know. I thought that was so interesting. It's, it's really, really, saying, really yeah. smart. I like that. I, it reminds me of some of the best advice that I ever got. One of my first jobs out of college when I was just starting out in, in IT and I was taking over, I was like going to be the IT guy for our uh, like headquarters. And the guy that was doing it before me had been doing it for many, many years. And he said, you know, Dan, he says, I only really have one bit of advice to leave with you. This was like the last day that he was there and I'd been shadowing him for a couple of weeks and he's, he had printed out this thing and he put it on top of the monitor and it just said, when in doubt, reboot. <laughs> and, yeah. it, you know, it, this is back in the very early 90s when we were rebooting our machines all the time. I mean, you, yeah. you, I would start the day every day with my computer by just rebooting it. And once a month I would reformat the hard drive and reinstall windows NT because that was just what you had to do to run a windows system. And we, you know, it's still for whatever dumb reason, it's not quitting apps. It's restarting it, restart your phone once in a while. I think it's good to just restart it every couple weeks, at least anyway, you know, but I come Mm -hmm. from that. I remember we used to, um, we used to compare our server uptimes as a little sort of grandstand showboat kind of thing that, that I used to do in this IRC channel for Unix administrators I used to be in. And everybody would, you know, show their uptimes of their, oh, this, this machine's been up for 512 days oh, it's so like, far. It's always a point of pride with nerds. Yeah. Of like because how- you can go and do, well, what's the, what's the um, I forget what the app is or the command, but... Is it uptime? Yeah. What do you, what do you type? Yeah. Uptime. You just type uptime. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it just says, it gives you that little readout of, uh, it'll say, it'll give you the time. It'll say how many days, minutes, and how many users and what your load averages are. Right. Well, I mean, I, um, it's so funny you should say this because 
uh, I told you, gosh, I don't know, months, a year ago about a device that I bought that I only just removed literally yesterday. But I used to get kind of spotty uh, quality of service with something involving my modem and my Apple uh, airport guy, my airport extreme, whatever it's called. Um, and so I bought this dingus. I, I, I know you know about this. But I bought a dingus that you program. You, it's got two uh, outlets on it that then, you know, you plug it into power strip or the wall. You enter the current time and you enter a time of day that you want that connection to be closed and a time of day that you want it to be open. Mm-hmm. And so for the last, I don't know, probably a year, I've said at, uh, at 4 a.m., turn off these two things, my router and my modem. Right. And then 10 minutes later, turn them back on. And uh, I mean, you know, it's cut, like Syracuse says, cutting the ends off the wrist. I don't know if it's caused, if it's helped, but I have noticed a lot fewer problems with cycling those two things in the middle of the night every night. And the only reason, I mean, candidly, the only reason I took it off is I have a new alarm system that uh, needs the, wants the internet. And I got sick of getting notifications about it. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, that's the kind of thing you can do. And in fact, Neil Patel talked about, I don't know how he did this exactly, but how he bought like iHome smart plugs for some of his parents' computers so that when he has to do remote- Oh, he can remote reboot them. <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> Isn't that a good idea? It's a great idea. We used to have back in the, in the ancient times, we used to have remote reboot switches and these things were crazy. It would be a physical hardware device that you would plug your- computer or whatever you wanted to be plugged into into and in fact they had a lot of these that where you could have multiple ports on them too so you could have many machines or servers controlled by them and it would have a dedicated phone line a a landline as we would say plugged into it with a special phone number and mm-hmm. so it would answer and you would enter a code and then it would beep Whoa. back at you and then and you weren't using the internet to do it no it was a phone line you would call oh, so the phone smart. and enter a code and it would it would trip the power on the thing and reboot it and i'll tell you what we had um a number of these computers gosh this is bringing back so many memories that were running uh, uh windows 311 and they had dial up modems connected to them and i forget the name of the software but people would use software on their computer at home to remotely control a desktop computer physically sitting in a room by itself Mm -hmm. so that they could access like documents and stuff when they were at home and they would use special software in this that, that would dial up for them and then remote control that computer screen for them the way we do with screen sharing all the time now this was like, but a lot of the time it would hang up uh, and get, get stuck. I should say not hang up, like hang up the line, but it would get hung up yes. and it, you would then have to call and re with the other number and reboot it so that you could resume whatever it was that you were doing remotely. I mean, God, the stuff that we used to do to do things that are so basic now, the yeah. kind of stuff yeah. we wouldn't even think twice about, man. Yeah. Yeah. And when I was the, um, I'm so embarrassed to even say this because I'm, I'm not a very smart person about this stuff, but you know, half of the job, my nineties job with Dave, the marketing guy, yeah, half of that Dave. job was doing not legal things, but summarizing depositions, doing courtroom exhibits. And the other half was like administering this network in Tallahassee and a smaller network in Arkansas. And, um, 
it was just a mandate from my boss that we had to shut off all the computers at night because it saved power and blah, 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 blah. Like, I don't think anybody does that anymore, mostly because you want it. My, my, mine does its backups at, at night. It does its trash Yeah, collection. I don't want any... Thing being disconnected or restarted. Well, no, absolutely not. And it does stuff like it cleans up my Plex. It like does all this stuff at two in the morning. It does, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, uh, but I wonder if, you know, without us knowing it, that was also a way to minimize the number of these kinds of errors that we got. Because, you know, nowadays you can leave your computer on for a real long time. If you're on like a solid OS and there's nothing goofy going on, you don't have corrupted fonts. It's a really a different time. But the, the neat thing about the device here was, and you're, I love the one you're describing with the phone. The neat one with this one is it doesn't rely on an internet connection for obvious reasons. It's just basically, it's a nerd version of the timer you'd have in the 70s for turning your lights on and off. And you, I, you know, say how often or when you want it to work. So that's why I didn't do, you know, like an internet of things plug for mm -hmm. it. Because obviously if I'm remote, I wouldn't be able to reach it. But anyway, interesting stuff. Okay, well, I think we've helped a lot of people. Do you want to tell me about something that you like? I would love to tell you about HoneyBook. 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 So if you, if you own a small business, it's very likely that you're frustrated and dealing with back and forth emails and tons of paperwork and, of course, you know, getting paid. Kind of important. Well, HoneyBook is here to help you spend less time handling the administration work and spend more time doing the things that you love. This is an all-in-one business management platform for creative small businesses. They make it easy to streamline your process with client and calendar management tools. They've got custom branded everything, brochures, proposals, contracts, all the stuff that you need to do to get paid, to get your job done and to, to start working. You can even get e-signatures. You can generate invoices. You get paid faster and it's all within one single online system that over 75,000 photographers and designers and event professionals and developers and all kinds of people are already using to save hundreds, if not thousands of hours a year over there on HoneyBook. And so they are giving back to work listeners 50% off the first year of HoneyBook if you use the promo code back to work. So how do you get started? Go to HoneyBook, H-O-N-E-Y-B-O-O-K, HoneyBook.com, check it out. And, uh, and if you like it, sign up using the promo code back to work, one word, and you'll get 50% off your first year year it's a great that's a solution really good deal dan really good that's deal a very large percent go check it out honeybook.com promo code back to work thanks honeybook book book honeybook honeybook bug bounty bug bounty bug bounty that was the verge cast i have two this does not require a lot of deliberation i don't know why i'm even telling you this it's not that interesting um you know, who cares? I, I, you know what I did? Um, I did my, my monthly check with Google security stuff. I just went and looked and it's a good idea to do, you know, when it occurs to you, it's like, just go and look at like stuff you're logged into, mm -hmm. look at activity and stuff like that. And I yeah. just doing my usual Google thing. And I looked at stuff, you know what I did? I signed out of every email app that requires like a Google login apart from what's already just logged in on the iOS. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I have several of these apps who shall remain nameless that offer added functionality, but they do require you to give them your credentials in order to utilize them. And I, I don't know, I had a wild hair and I just logged out of all of them. And now I'm using the soon to be dead inbox, 
which I joined, I joined my wife and the rest of the world in saying, oh my God, how can you be getting rid of this program? It's really pretty good. I'm using some combination of inbox and pure Gmail with the hope that the new to roll out Gmail will introduce supposedly, mm-hmm. posposably, as John, uh, as John Roderick says, posposably, the new Gmail will introduce a lot of the cool features of inbox. Of inbox, but, right? Uh, I read that. Yeah, yeah. It looks a lot cleaner. It's out on Android now, and it's going to be slowly rolling out uh, to iOS over the next few weeks. I have not gotten it yet, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't have anything particularly interesting to say, except to say uh, I'm going to try just using pure Gmail and see how it goes. I just, I, it's, it's weird. I want to have fewer things where they've got my credentials. It just seems weird. Uh, credentials are everywhere and you use things to sign in and, and some places, you know, for remember for a long time, like the only way to sign into something was with a Facebook account. That was sure actually do. what pushed me to use Facebook in the beginning. Cause I had no, I had no interest in it. I'd never used it. And then, then there was this, was it, was it Marlon like four years ago, five years ago when like Everything all of a sudden was like, you don't have to have separate credentials to log in everywhere. Just use Facebook for everything. Yeah. And well, OAuth, OAuth really caught on. Yeah. And OAuth especially caught on because everybody, quote unquote, everybody's on Facebook. Why wouldn't you just use that? It seems more secure. You don't need a separate password, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And yeah, it, I do remember that. I remember getting super frustrated when, who was it? Uh, it was the guy that used to be at that one place. He made that site for writing seven, was it 750 words a day where you could go in and every day it was like just a web, you know, a oh, text yeah. area. Yeah. And you type, what was it? Buster, what's his head? Did po- it? Poindexter. Buster Poindexter. And mm-hmm. I just remember being so bummed and like, I was like, oh man, the only way to use this is Facebook because, you know, he was just, you know, pulling some different parts together, grabbing some API stuff, doing some little functional Lego bits. And that was the easiest way. But I remember even back then being like, ugh, like I haven't used Facebook in years. I still have my login, but I'd have to use that. But yeah, that I do know what you're talking about. How do we feel about OAuth these days? Oh, I mean, it's still very useful. The the place that I see it most used is uh, so let's say you want to have something you do inside an application tweet for you. You have to authenticate oh, sure. your, yourself yeah, with yeah. Twitter. That's OAuth behind the scenes. Um, mm-hmm. We do OAuth a lot behind the scenes when working with APIs and things like that. And and so that's that's how it should be. That's that makes sense to me as far as how it how it should work. But yeah, you know, having to use Facebook as the only way to log into a service you'd really like to use is is especially if the service has nothing to do with Facebook. I'll tell um, you, people are getting fed up with Facebook. Yeah, I can are. say at some point in the next five to 50 years, some people will <sighs> seriously consider getting off Facebook. Maybe. They're so <laughs> mad right now. They'll, they'll consider it someday. I know it. Uh, how, how would I get into my uh, neighborhood association? I know. Uh, you know, I'm not a, not a security nerd. I don't know a ton, but I would say, we've said this before, but it might not hurt to log into Google, go to the account area, Dropbox, there's an area there, Twitter, there's an area there. And each of those areas, you can go in and see everywhere that you're currently logged in. And just, you know, one kind of no-brainer is anything that you don't recognize or haven't used in a long time, log out. You can always log back in, mm-hmm. you know? But like, I don't know, it just it seems weird to have all that just kind of hanging out there. Yeah, it's a, it's know. a good security wise. It's a good idea to go through and do exactly what you've done, and just take a little take stock of an itinerary of the stuff that what am I signed into? And most applications now, Twitter, Facebook are good examples. Google's another good one where they'll show you 
exactly what it is that is going on and what, what you are logged into and what you've authorized. And, you know, like I went through there and I found a bunch of applications that I had used when I was experimenting with, you know, like Android, I had like Mm -hmm. 10 different Android applications that had signed in on it. And when was the last time that I had an Android device even? So yeah, just get rid of all those. And it's like you said, you can always log back in. Nothing's nothing bad has happened. But, you know, once you get on 2FA for stuff, I do feel like for myself, there's a little bit of resistance, tiniest bit of resistance to log out because I know like, what if I need this? And like, what if it's kind of a pain to log in or like, what if I, you know, but I think that's, I think that's an attitude that probably should change. I don't want to belabor this. Just go, go check your stuff and log out if you don't need it. And of course, if I'm going to complain about email, I have to also complain about calendars. And I wanted to talk about an app. I'm not saying this is the greatest app. But like I, I, the, the calendar app, Apple's calendar app on, especially on an iPhone is not great, at least for how I like to use a calendar. It's really limited at like what you can see at a given time. Uh, I just want to mention, I feel like I, I'm pretty sure Federico Vitici wrote about this and I went and checked it out. I think this might be his go-to calendar, but I grabbed it too, um, and I, you know, I know everybody has strong feelings. People love stuff like Fantastical. That's a great app. But this one really has been working for me lately. It's called Calendar 366 by something called Nspector with a K dot com. It is in notes. And there's a couple of things I really like about this. I'm not using it on the desktop. Um, I use just straight Google Calendar or, you know, or I use Apple Calendar on the Mac. It's not that bad if you've got a giant screen. But this does a couple, several things that I really like even just purely in terms of presentation. And wait, now um, are you using this on Mac or iPhone, iPad? No, I'm using this just on just on iPad and okay. iPhone. Okay, cool. This looks really Mac cool. App, I have, well, I'll tell you what I like about it is, number one, it is it brings in your reminder items in line with your what you're doing today items. I know that's not entirely unique. My favorite thing I think about this is the flexibility of what you see on screen. And let me just pull it up for a second here. But what's neat about it is, um, you know, sometimes you, you, you're looking at the big wide 20,000 foot view mm-hmm. and you want to just get a basic idea of what's going on. And other times you really want some granularity and, and be able to, to dig down. Now here I'm on my phone and I'm clicking on the hamburger and the options for this include uh, year, month, month with a list, agenda, week, week with a list, day, or just list. So however it is you want to look at your stuff that moment, and then of course, what calendars you choose to have on at the time, I've really been enjoying this. And I've been using week with list, which basically shows at the top of the screen, about a eighth of the screen is just straightforward, like what my week looks like with little dots to represent the events. You can also choose whether you want to see dots or text. And then under that is just a list of what to do. And so I see today, okay, I got to water the air plant. I got to charge my mouse. And then in, of course, in uh, time order is the stuff that I have to do today as a list. Mm-hmm. I just want to toss it out. If you're looking for an alternative to Apple's calendar, I would check out Calendar 366. I, I like the way it works. And it also has a, uh, like I said, it has a Mac app. You know what? I'll buy the Mac app. What the hell? And it's got um, an Apple Watch app. So Calendar 366, check it out. I am, uh, while you were talking about that, I downloaded it and I'm going to launch it and mess around with it after the show. Calendars feel like an unsolved problem to me. Why? I mean, emails, emails still a very unsolved problem. Email apps. I hate all email apps. I think I told you about this, Dan. There's a, there's a, there's a, a, a phrase we use in the do by Friday thing. Um, can I do a curse? Will you cut it out? 
Um, yeah, or we'll leave it in, but sure. All right. Uh, pound sign Merlin Leap. list. And pound sign Merlin Leap. list is w- whenever somebody says to me, hey, I heard you've got X for doing Y. Do you re- what do you recommend? Mm. Or I've heard you've got this thing. And Merlin's Merlin Leap. list, pound sign Merlin Leap. list is like, I use this, but I would never in a million years recommend it. Like <laughs> when people say like, well, you know, what's your current, like, well, what's your CBD oil? And I go, well, I've got this, but I wouldn't recommend it yeah. or this particular <laughs> app. Like there's, they're not all garbage. It's just, they don't do what I want. You know, right. there are very few apps that I can almost unreservedly, even something like OmniFocus, which I think is the best of breed at a task management in the Apple world. Yeah, it's like when I asked you not long ago, what email client are you using? You're like, well, oh, I, I use said this. this but I, did I say pound? Did I give you the, did I give you the hashtag on that one? Uh, you didn't give me a hashtag on it, but you were, you were, the, I said the, the sentiment was the same. Yeah. I think I said, literally they're all terrible. I cannot <laughs> recommend any email apps. Right. But I use this, this one. <laughs> I use this one, but I don't recommend it. Right. It's such a weird thing to say. Cause it, you sound like such a sour person to say that, but like, I don't love any email app. I love Gmail. <laughs> on the web. I really do. But like Gmail on the web, I mean, star A, capital I, E. Like you can't do that on a phone. That selects everything on the screen, marks it as red and moves it to archive without having to open anything. Like you can't do that on a phone because it's a touch interface. But anyhow, um, that's, that's the problem with this is like, I mean, if you don't care about I'm, I'm putting this in a terrible way. If it's not, if you're not incredibly concerned about the way something looks and operates, there are so many options, many of them free. But at the same time, there's not that many options at any price that, that do the thing that you want to do. Like there's still, like there's so many apps. The, the, the biggest one for me is apps that want to bring in some kind of social component that I have absolutely zero interest in. And like almost every cool app, app that I come across for doing a thing, whether that's tracking the TV shows that I watch or, you know, some kind of a, whatever, any kind of a list, they always want to jam in all this social networking sauce. And it's like, I don't want to share with people how many episodes of Game of Thrones that I've watched. Mm-hmm. I just don't care. Right. I don't want to share my location. I don't want to do any of that. And there's so many apps that start out as a really interesting idea. I'm not going to name names because they are on the pound sign Merlin list. Um, but there's so many apps that start out really promising. And then every iteration you see to it is like, we've polished the UI and added more ways for you to share. And it's like, well, no, <laughs> don't do that. I don't even want to accidentally share. But uh, anyhow, uh, calendar 366. I'm going to get it for the Mac right now. Mm-hmm. Clicking. On the Mac, Clicking. it looks like it's a menu bar. Uh, yeah, it looks, it looks very much like Fantastic Island. Yeah, 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 which is not a bad thing. No, but, um, I believe in um, paying for apps, so I'm going to do that right now. All right. Of course, it's going to ask me to log in. Why do you always ask me to log in? Okay, done. So that's my two little uh, short bits. That's my short bits. Okay. Um, where are? Oh my gosh, we're at 54 minutes. Do you want to tell me about a second thing that you like? Yeah, I sure can. I can tell you all about Hello Pillow. Hello Pillow. Hello. I sleep on one. You have, you're sleeping on one. That's part of why you're getting such good rest these days. I got, I got one freebie and I bought two additional ones with my own money because I like it so much. So the, this is what's what they call a buckwheat pillow. This is, most of us are used to this, what I, what I have come to call the circle of life, (laughs) which is you get a pillow and from the store and it's a traditional fluffy soft pillow and you get that and you bring it home and you're like, this is, this is the greatest pillow ever. And you mm-hmm. use it for a, a few days, maybe if you're lucky, a few weeks before it starts to change 
the honeymoon period is now over and you realize that the pillow isn't all you thought that it was going to be. And you try, you work with it. You say, I'm not giving up on mm -hmm. you. You're my pillow. No. I'm sticking with mm -hmm. you. And you do what things you need to do to kind of massage it and reshape it and make it work. And then maybe now, you know what? I fixed it. The problem I was having with the pillow, the reason my mm -hmm. neck was so screwed up, the reason I got bad sleep, I fixed that. And another week, maybe two, if you're lucky, goes by until it's all of a sudden you realize the pillow is crap and you're having a bad night's sleep with you it. You think you want a soft, you think you want and, like, like a hobo in a cartoon, la la la. You think you want a soft <laughs> pillow, but you don't really want a soft you pillow. You really don't. You want a pillow that's You want a pillow supportive. that does what you need to do right now tonight. That's, Let's talk about something important. That's you right. want a You want a pillow that will do what you want. <laughs> yes. That's yes. what I'm trying to say. That's what I'm saying yes. here. Yes. And that is exactly what the hello pillow uh, does. It is not this little uh, fluffy little pillow that you're used to, it is more similar to a bean bag, which means you can, or as Merlin would say, a hacky sack. You mm. can adjust the shape and the thickness of it. You, it's, and, and what happens is it supports your head and it supports your neck, but it does it the way that you want it to. And that's because it doesn't collapse under the weight of your head. Have you ever lifted up a head? Have you ever hoisted a head, Merlin? I've hoisted a head. A head weighs eight pounds. Eight pounds. This, this this pillow, the one I have, I bought a second pillow to put extra buckwheat into my buckwheat pillow. And mine weighs about 15 pounds. I got a heavy pillow. I would like for people to pause the show right now and go grab an eight pound weight and just find a human head curl around it, your house. Curl the head mm -hmm. and see if you think that that's heavy or not. It's going to be heavy. And that's what happens. Soft pillows, they allow this heavy Ugh. head that you're carrying around to bend in the wrong way, to to create problems with your muscles, like your nerves, kind of your discs. Pillow. Just to clarify, you're talking about one of those like feather monstrosities, like one of those like like to win a pillow 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 fight, to win a pillow fight kind of pillows. Yeah, that's what yeah, most people. Yeah, I mean, like have. that's a whole lot of nothing. That's it's a whole nothing. lot of nothing. You get a bunch of uh, uh, you get a bunch of feathers in one corner. You put your goddamn head on it, and they're flying all over the place. That's no way to live. And even those Get a foam, pillow. the foam pillows, a lot of people swear by, I, I think those are better than a regular pillow, but even mm. those eventually the support breaks down and you wind yes. up back at square one again. That's not going to happen with a hello pillow. And you can, uh, you can do a lot of things with this. Like you were saying, you can add or remove, uh, the amount of buckwheat that is inside of it so that you can make it perfect for you. Exactly. What you want. And these things have been around like in Japan forever. And they're still used in in uh, in Japan and other places. Now they're being used more and more in America. And this is the thing. You could check this out and try it out yourself. You get to sleep on it for 60 nights. And if Hello Pillow is not for you, you just send it back and they'll give you a refund. It's a more natural way to sleep. It's breathable. Uh, and forget the people who might be like allergic to regular pillows and have like yeah. stuff living in them. And you don't have to worry about that. These things are made in the USA, quality construction of materials, and they are super comfortable. I really like mine. I know Merlin loves, uh, you love yours. Mm -hmm. Big fan. And uh, and so you can get, depending on on what you get, if you go to Hullo, and it's spelled H-U-L-L-O, like think of the, the hull inside of it, mm -hmm. right? HulloPillow.com slash back to work. If you go there, uh, and if you try more than one pillow, you'll get a discount of up to 20 bucks per pillow, depending on the, the size. And uh, there's fast free shipping and 1% of all profits are donated to the Nature Conservancy. It's a good company. Hmm. It's a great pillow. HelloPillow.com slash back to work. Go check it Anyang. out. We appreciate their support. Thanks. Thanks. Hello. hello. I sleep on you. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. <laughs>
<clears throat> we got yeah. a, um, <laughs> can we do, can we do a letter from a listener? Yeah, let's do it. Listener Zarek, uh, writes, uh, uh, wants to know if podcasts can be evil. Yeah. Podcasts are interesting. That's, that, that's what you call way Homer. Uh, you got to really think about that. My question for you is, do you think podcasts, I'm just, just skipping a little bit here. My question for you is, do you think podcasts can be evil? I think most would concede that TV, Twitter, Facebook, video games, etc., are all at least in part or at times evil insofar as they can waste time, contribute little, leave you feeling worse than you did before. But something about podcasts seems inherently benevolent and harmless. Yet I wonder if I'm dumbing down my ability to have my own thoughts and or if I'm just wasting time. We listen to a lot of the same shows. As it sounds like Zarek and I, uh, I'm a rather voracious consumer. I think your opinion on this would be particularly interesting. Uh, maybe also as it relates to CGP Gray's quest to exclude a lot of external internet-based voices. CGP Gray is doing a thing right now uh, where he's basically avoiding the internet mostly. Um, I wasn't sure where to email the. May have more. Okay, so let's get to the point here. Thank you, listeners, Eric. Um, what do you think? Hmm. You know what? Grab any handle on the suitcase you want. Can podcast be evil, Dan? <sighs> this is a tough question for me. Let, I know what me, he means. Let me save you the trouble. Evil I'm, is a very, very loaded word. It is. It is. Um, it's problematic. It is a very problematic kind of a word. I'm not sure. I think that actions can, can be evaluated after they've happened as for having a good effect or a bad effect. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's like what the Buddha said, which is um, when you do that thing, if, if the outcome is good, do it again. If the outcome is not good, don't do it again. I think hmm. that's a direct quote from the Buddha. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so I would say podcasts cannot be evil. No. Um, but they can be detrimental to your productivity. I think mm-hmm. they can. Is that mm-hmm. what he's asking though? It's not what he's asking. Well, he's asking I mean, if inherently the podcast, the notion of a podcast is a bad thing. Well, I, I'm trying to do forensics on this a little bit and understand what his heart is asking. And I suspect what Zarek's heart is asking is, I f- I'm totally guessing and paraphrasing here from my own POV and experience. Uh, there are certain kinds of things that can be what lawyers call an attractive nuisance. There c- can be certain sorts of things in the world that you find yourself spending more time with than you like. Um, maybe that's cigarettes and meth. Or maybe that's soap operas, or maybe that's the big bag of chips or whatever it is, but there's something that's attracting you. I'm going to, now I'm so paraphrasing. There are things in the world that attract you to be a person other than the person whom you'd like to be. I'll put it that way. Right. So like, you know, and, and we all evaluate ourselves. Am I this kind of person? Am I that kind of person? I mean, if you were somebody asking you on the street, like, <laughs> are you evil? You'd say, well, I don't feel like I'm so evil. I mean, I don't get everything right every day, but... But the, the tricky part is that um, if there is something that attracts us into habits that are not the habits we would prefer, that can have a damaging influence, certainly, but they can also make us feel bad. Like if you feel like, uh, and I'll just, now I'll speak directly from experience, there have been days where I've listened to way too many podcasts. Sometimes I'm shotgunning one particular program. I'm listening to like six episodes of a given program. Uh. I recently discovered the podcast from who puts it out, but it's a podcast about um, Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. And that was probably an interesting one. Yeah. Who puts that one out? Who puts that one out? It's called the, uh, Oh my God, there's too many shows in here. It's called the dropout. And it is from ABC Radio. Um, 
and there's been two episodes and it, along the lines of say the dream a, a similar kind of episode like i'm dying for the next one to come out it's you know it's that new kind of podcast that new kind of like here's a series of six episodes about a thing and um it's 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 very interesting very compelling even after two episodes I'm, I'm really 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 enjoying it but there will be days like that or it'll be a day where i listen to six episodes of my brother my brother and me because i'm broken inside and it's my favorite podcast there are there are a lot of times like that and i can actually tell you that uh, then if I, I take off the headphones in the same way that you ever stare at your iPhone screen and then look into the middle distance and you see app icons in the air. <laughs> I know exactly what you're like, talking about. It yeah. happens. It's a thing. <laughs> and in this case, I feel like not in a madness way, but I feel like I can almost still hear the chatter of voices even when I'm not listening to anything. Uh-huh. And that's when I know that that's not evil. That's just me doing too much of a thing that I nominally enjoy to where it's like not having a positive impact. Um, if I would like to cut to the chase, I, I think, I think there is something kind of special about podcasts. I say that not because I do podcasts, but because I love podcasts that I, even more than somebody who does podcasts, I love listening to podcasts. Um, you can go to, what is it? What's pod stand? I need to update this Podstand.co. You can go and see the, at that point, 100 podcasts that I subscribe to. That's now even higher. A lot, a lot, a lot. And um, I do feel like there's a certain kind of intimacy and comfort that, that I get from podcasts. That's, it's not unique. It's not, there are other things that are like that, but the, there's something special about the repetition of a podcast, about the pattern, about the relationship, about the, the bits and the goofs and the larfs, like the things that like, you know, you might enjoy about a show on one show, that kind of repetition drives you crazy on this on a given show that you love, you're, you're so into it. Um, and I think that does make or could make podcasts especially susceptible to being something one overdoes for myself. I think, are they evil? I don't think they're evil. I do think that because it really does feel to me like I'm hanging out with somebody when I'm listening to that's a show exactly that like. the whole thing. And that's, that's the kind of podcast that I like, even when they're professionally done mm-hmm. and, and when they're pr- highly produced, if you get that feeling that like you're, you're kind of in on something and you're hanging out with, with a person or a people that you like. And, uh, and for me, that's what I always loved growing up and why I listened to talk radio and why I wanted to go into radio in the first place is because of exactly what you're describing that, that you have that camaraderie with people. And even though they might not know you, you definitely know them and you get to be part of something that that's really fun and really cool and really different from maybe the rest of your life or from the other things that you get to do. And I I love Mm -hmm. that. I love that. Oh yeah. And I mean, if we wanted to talk about the potentially slightly dark aspects of that, you get a lot of the adrenaline or dopamine rush of being in the midst of a conversation without having to actually participate. And I, I get nice notes or mean notes all the time about how much people are yelling back at Overcast while they're listening to one of my shows, which yeah. I, I tend to think is a really good thing. Like, A, I'm glad you're listening. Thank you. But B, like you have a very strong opinion about what's being said. You're engaged right. in a way that, for example, I am not engaged if I'm watching like four hours of Nailed It or whatever. Um, but like, you know, for example, I was so excited to see this pop up and I'm, I'm really enjoying it so far. David Tennant, um, maybe best known from Dr. Who, 
uh, has a new podcast. And his first guest was Olivia Coleman, who's the best. Today's guest is Whoopi Goldberg. I listened to that on the way to work. And I'm, I'm, I mean, this is in my wheelhouse. I love David Tennant. I think he's fantastic. And mm-hmm. obviously he's talking to people whom he knows and likes and cares about. And listening to David Tennant and Olivia Coleman is a thing that I could do for the rest of my life. Just listen to them and talk, talk about how Judy Dench is naughty and these kinds of things. I'm totally into it. I'm so in the bag for this. Um, but it probably does distract me from non-headphones activity more than I'd like. And you know, I've got to be honest with you, on more than one occasion, I've said to my kid, because I, I get a little modal in the afternoon, because my, my attention is frayed, my ADHD adult brain is frayed, I need to like do a thing, but I need to pay attention to one thing. So for me, that is I'm doing my chores. I've got like my daily chores I have to do for house maintenance. And I'm usually preparing dinner. And I'll sometimes go in and she's watching a show because it's TV time. And I'll say, okay, I'm putting on headphones. I'm going to make dinner. And I feel like a little bit of a dick because I should treasure every dumb thing my kid wants to yell at me about what just happened on Survivor. Right. But I do on the third or fourth time, I do find myself going and taking out the earphone and finding out like, you know, what Bob did. Because Bob's our favorite contestant on Survivor ever. But whatever. But like, in that case, that's probably not supremely positive. But I am taking a hit off that pipe of like concentrated attention in something that I care about. And it's not that I don't like my home life. I love my home life. It's just that while I'm doing these rote things, this is the perfect opportunity to catch up on what my audio pals are doing. So in that way, I mean, I listen to enough that I get frustrated when I can't listen to more. But can they be evil? I don't know. I bet there's some self-help ones that could be evil. I'll bet. I'll bet there's some like money-making how? and entrepreneurial ones that are virtually evil. Now, does Ty Lambo have a podcast? Um, Probably. He's got the YouTube. Yeah, he's got the whole YouTube. Yeah. And now at this juncture, I feel like we should try to offer something that's useful in terms of a uh, functional uh, component, okay. as you say. Let's see. Let's hear it. What's a, what's a, what's a functional component? Should, should one be limiting the amount of time that one spends listening to podcasts in order to do other things. Mm. You know, I mean, a lot of people are listening to podcasts while they're doing things that allow them mental breathing space. And the podcast is a nice way to fill that. And I guess dishes is is perfect. Yeah, it really is. Or, or going on a walk or a jog. Mm -hmm. I think, I think there are, if, if you're use here's something, if Hmm. you're using podcasts as a crutch, so that you don't have to spend any time alone with your own thoughts, then <laughs> I would I would say that, that they could be considered I totally evil. Do so do I. But I if, know I really I think <laughs> you said it, and now I hate you. But I think I do that. I don't really want to spend time with other people, but I want to <laughs> I want to hear my friends talk. Right. So I don't know. I don't know. Um, overall, I think pot listening to podcasts is probably a lot better than a lot of the other things that we could be spending our time doing. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I enjoy watching Netflix in the evenings. Would it be better? Would I be expanding my mind if I was like listening to a really cool podcast? They're interviewing like a scientist talking about quantum mechanics. Yes, Mm -hmm. it would be better for me than watching the Maisel, whatever Miss Maisel show that my wife likes, you know, of course Mm -hmm. it would be better, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, um, maybe just one, one old piece of advice that I used to do when my kid was first born was I, I used to have some difficulty in making the modal shift from being at the office to coming to the house. Mm-hmm. 
as, as everybody knows, I distinguish house from home and office from work. Mm. When I leave the location called office, at which I mostly do my work, I now have to transition to going to my house, which is mostly where I do home because you can do things in different places. Right. But for me, that really, the, the two, two rules I can really remember from the early days was I have to take my headphones off once I see the house and I can't put headphones in or use my laptop until my kid's gone to sleep, my baby at that time. Now, I'm not recommending that people go and do that, but I will say that is a very doable kind of resolution, is a physical change based on the physical world. So, uh, listener, uh, Zarek, or, or whomever, for example, like if you find yourself never even taking a walk without listening to a podcast, that might be a time to not listen to a podcast, to not have headphones in right? To have, to just shake it up a little bit would be one thing. Right. Um, to try and limit, limit the rote nature of it, because I think most of our, many of our problems, personal problems come out of um, the default, the rote, the thing that we just do. Trying to shake that up a little bit can be a good idea, but I don't think they're evil. I think podcasts are nice. I hope they're nice. I listen to enough of them. Yeah, I do Jimmy too. Christmas. Who, who doesn't like David Tennant? You got to love David Tennant. David Tennant. I mean, he's, you know. David Tennant. He, he also, well, you, you're not a, a Doctor Who fan, but he also did Broadchurch. Oh, no, I he loved was, him in Broadchurch. I loved him in Olivia uh, Coleman was in Broadchurch. That's the lady in Broadchurch oh. who was on his show. And, uh, she's and so good. Olivia Coleman. Let me look. look she was her. in Peep Show. She oh, yeah, was, she's wonderful. I love her. She's great. You know her. Yeah, I yeah, do. Yeah. And also, um, uh, Tennant was in um, Jessica Jones. He was in Jessica Jones. He was also uh, Birdie, what's his name, in um, number three, number four. Uh, Birdie, what's his name in three? Number four. Was he in three or four? Yeah, Birdie. In, he's either in Azkaban or uh, the one with the with the cup. Oh, was Remember? he? Who, wait a minute. Who was Mad he in Eye that? Mad-Eye Moody. Mad-Eye Moody. Oh, he was the Mad-Eye son of Barty Moody. Crouch. Barty Crouch. He's the one. He's the one. Remember the snake? Remember yeah. when the Gina? Yeah. When the, care, the, the caretaker goes, that's, ah, this kid's with the lights. He That's goes, right. And the Gina, you know, the snake Remember? tongue. The snake tongue. Slytherin. Slytherin. Mm-hmm. They're the best. Par- 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 parcel tongue. <laughs> parcel tongue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's so horrible to know a little bit about Harry Potter and not having read the books. There you is no country read the for, books? There's no, there's no country for Potter Man. I didn't know that you didn't read on. I just assumed. <laughs> uh, see? Exactly. Exactly. I'm the worst. I'm right in the middle. I'm right in the middle where I know enough to be dangerous and I know enough to have a Hufflepuff scarf, but I haven't read the books. Now everybody hates me. Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I'm going to listen to podcasts. (laughs) That should be the international theme for podcasters right there. (laughs) It's the anthem. (laughs) I'll unsee. Uh, I think we covered enough. Look at us. Look at us in an hour 13. You know, you're done with the things that you like. Are you not? Oh, I'm way done. Well, why don't we prepare this episode and share it with the people? I love that idea. And try okay. in, our, in, in our best to, not, to make it not evil. 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 <laughs> Whenever you're evil, I think of Ronnie James Dio and I always, I always laugh. <laughs> Dio's not evil. He's from like Long Island. <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, yeah yeah all right let's button this up all righty okay i love you love you too merlin man